0: Good morning, world. This is Craig with Ops. Uh, Today is September 12th, and for a lot of people, 20 years ago, um, people made some really serious decisions on this day. Uh, The country unified in a one fight against the global war on terror. There's a, a lot of questions that have been asked, And I wanted to take the time to answer all those questions. First, I'd like to start off by saying um, a big thank you to Griff, right? Griff is a former Army Ranger. He is a business owner, entrepreneur, uh, owns combat flip-flops. He's taking the time to mentor me and talk to me. And I really honestly appreciate it. Uh, Little would either of us know that a couple of days after our conversation that Kabul would uh, fall. And obviously for everybody who has ever deployed and been part of uh, uh, OEF or OIF or the global war on terror in general deployed to Africa or Syria, it, it's a big, giant impact, right? Uh, it's a big, emotional roller coaster ride for all of us. And, uh, obviously, you know, today is the day it really started for all, a lot of us. Um, 20 years ago. I'm going to start with some questions. Uh, I think the theme of this is not just the Q&A part, but understanding uh, that no good deed goes unpunished, right? So in saying that, you know, even creating the podcast, in my opinion, uh, there's been some repercussions. So let's start with a question about Tim Kennedy. Uh, Tim Kennedy, is he wrong or a douchebag for for being in Kabul? First off, I, I don't know Tim. that's the first thing everybody needs to know, right? Uh, Tim Kennedy, and I'm going to stick to some facts here because that's the world I live in versus just strictly opinion and feelings. Tim Kennedy graduated from the Special Law Forces Qualification Course. Therefore, and completed Robin Sage, right? Therefore, he is a Tabbed, special forces tabbed uh, person. He he ha, he has a he gets to wear a green beret. He's also completed the ranger school. So he is a army ranger. Uh, and I'm not going to go into the definitions of what makes an army ranger. I'm just going to say he's got a ranger tab, right? Which is true. 100% facts. Uh, let's see, third part. Third part is Tim Kennedy is a former world-ranked MMA fighter. In fact, you can't take that away. Me, as a former strategic planner for the United States Air Force, I can tell you that I have worked in collaboration with the State Department, CIA, all sorts of other folks, and we have used NGOs, to go in and either have a zero footprint or to start a footprint in certain countries. It is part of the business, right? Um, And they help. The big thing is when you're using an NGO and everybody knows this, like uh, at this level, right? Uh, On our side, not on the public side, But uh, on our side, right, for for the people that are involved with collaborating or working with NGOs, do they get in the way? Absolutely. Right. Uh, Do they help? Absolutely. Um, We don't have direct comms. We don't have direct and we don't tell them exactly what their mission has to be because they go in hired by the State Department uh, in collaboration and cleared through the State Department. But also with their own um, mission that they have for themselves, that they've created for themselves. You know, if they're going in to go and help a certain area and help a certain population, or or do a specific thing, that is their role, right? The military doesn't ha- doesn't own them, and a lot of people, know, like in my opinion, is really need to stop hating on this dude. Uh, he he did some really amazing work with the group that he went with. Uh and and I find it kind of insulting and ignorant for the most part that a lot of folks just think, you know, that this guy is just a complete douchebag. Um and I'll probably be a douchebag after this because people will probably think that I love on him, but that's not true. I don't I don't even know him at all. Um just so everybody knows that the as I go through this Q&A, it's going to be a multitude of different questions from military stuff like this to some medicine stuff to politics and um, probably a little bit of psych stuff in here. Next question is, uh, do I recommend new graduates or students to use other new grads or students as mentors? And do I recommend influencers who are either students themselves or new graduates, uh, to follow? Uh, it's a kind of a tricky question in my opinion. And, um, my overall answer is I personally wouldn't, right? When when I graduated and, you know, this is over 10 years ago, uh, there wasn't a horde of or a bunch of nurse practitioners that I could turn to for advice. The majority of the people that I turned to were a lot of the physicians that I was working with. Uh, There were some PAs that I could even turn to. Uh, So when people ask me, is there like, you know, do, do I feel uh, like angry or do I hate PAs or, you know, phys- no, I mean, these were people that helped me along the way. So why would I hate on them? I mean, some of the PAs and, and docs that I worked with were just amazing who took the time to actually help me out versus just, you know, shunning me in a corner because I was a nurse practitioner and I was not a PA or I wasn't a doc, uh, you know, which is to me, just ignorant altogether. Once again, um, so so let me let me give some insight as to why I I wouldn't use a a new grad or a student when when you're a student and you're a new grad, right? Like you're you're getting to the finish line and you've probably just crossed the finish finish line. And in saying that, that's more like your running mate a lot of times, right? And sometimes one person finishes ahead of the other, right? The The reality is when you cross the finish line, that's when life starts, right? That's when your business, that's when your, everything kind of just kicks off. And you have to learn how to recover from the race. You have to learn how to start training all over again for the race. Because guess what? The following day, you're going to have to do it all over again. And that's the reality of once you graduate, how to do it all over again and how to do it better than the day before, because the competition goes up and it goes up significantly for a lot of folks. They think, you know, you're going to cross the finish line. You're going to you're like you're going to get this medal, and you're going to go, you know, stand on the box and you're going to be in first place, you know, forever. Dude, I got news for you. There's somebody ready. The minute you wake up the following day, ready to take you off that thing. As an experienced or as a seasoned person in healthcare, I would expect somebody to sit back and kind of tell me this, right? Uh, I know that my military career, uh, there have been dudes that have that I honestly have loved the shit out of because they have told me repeatedly, like, dude. The minute you cross, you need to learn how to recover, you need to learn, <laughs> because tomorrow morning, somebody is gonna be here to knock you off that box, right? Somebody's gonna be here to be number one. Uh, and it was, it, it changed my career, right? And those guys made a huge impact on my career and how I would end up going. And the direction, right? Where I am today. So, So would I turn to somebody that is just trying to survive? Um, The only advice I would give on that is, as a new student, the big thing that they would know is probably where a job would be. So could you turn to them and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And they would tell you, well, you know what? Um, I know of this opening over here that's going to be a little bit better and the environment's better. That would be about the biggest thing, right? Right. But as far as understanding all the ins and outs, and, and let me give you a, a little background on what I think is the ins and outs in healthcare, especially as a new grad in medicine. You have to understand the volume, right? You, you have to know what volume is. And volume comes at you Every single day, and it's a lot. It's not just the patient; it's the charting, it's the communication, it's the administrative stuff. People have to know that piece, and it, I personally think that there's a little bit of a disservice because when folks graduate, you know, either as a PA or as a physician or as a nurse practitioner, even as a medic, right? They don't really know until it's there, and in medicine, uh, you know, speaking from the emergency room perspective, or e- even in the clinic, um, maybe even I-, I would even say hospital medicine, uh, you 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 don't know until it's till you're in it, and a lot of people are just expecting you to perform inside of you. You're probably having small panic attacks um, when it hits you, when, when you're weeks and months, and maybe even a year into it. You're probably sitting in your car, right? On the way to work, having a panic attack about what you're about to encounter. You may even get to work and sit in your car and just fucking cry because you're worried about what's gonna happen. And right now with COVID, I would probably multiply that times three, right? Because that's really what's happening. Um, so I would want somebody that is seasoned and say, hey, you know what? How do you deal with it, right? How do you regroup? How do you recover? How do you move forward? How do you wake up and do it all over again, right? Versus just, I'm just going to survive today. Um, because I think that's a little bit of a disservice to to some folks. Um. Next question is about politics, right? Do I think politics should be discussed in medicine or in uh, your education? My answer is yes, right? And I'm gonna explain why. Right now politics is having a huge impact on medicine. It's been having a huge impact on medicine. And a lot of folks have this perception that it doesn't. When you go in and chart, a lot of your charting is re- is government regulation, right? Because of Medicare standards. When you do a lot of stuff as far as PPE, it's government standards, CDC standards, right? Uh, the vaccine, CDC, you know, all these mandates, right? Going back to the mentor and now talking about politics, there are... People that I've run into in my life, right? And I'm going to talk about this lady named Dr. Ramirez. And sometimes when people talk to me, they go, they you know, they think that I'm either talking above their head, or that I'm ignoring them, or that I'm talking to them like they're they're stupid or whatever. This is the reality. This this lady, when she would talk to me, she, she consistently would bring up to politics, and it was I mean, this was 15 years ago, and I, and I was. I would get so annoyed. Same thing with my dad, right? Hardcore Democrat, I would get annoyed. And and I didn't even want to listen. Like I would listen for like two or three minutes and then I would shut it off. The reality is uh, she was ahead of the game, right? She understood the impact of politics in healthcare. She understood how politics and narratives We're going to change the footprint being delivered by healthcare. Do I think it should be discussed? Absolutely, right? Are politics and I would say identity politics being played right now in healthcare? Absolutely. Is it dividing the healthcare community? Yes. It's a discussion that should be had almost every chance you get with your healthcare team, uh, with your healthcare administrative team, altogether. Not as a big giant collaboration. This should not be, you know, two people sitting in the corner talking about it. It should be everybody, right? The pros and the cons. Speaking of which. I want to talk about this course I went to, right? And and it it, it was a, one of the most impressive courses, and it's the gold standard, in my opinion, of how things should be discussed. I, I want to say it was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Uh, I went to this class. It was called um, the National Trauma Institute, uh, and it was it was military, and these these guys were talking about the pros and cons of therapies being used downrange, right? So this was, you know, trauma surgeons and medics and orthopedic surgeons and nurses. Um, They talked about the pro. They talked about the con of, of a treatment modality. And they did it off of facts and they did it off of studies. The beautiful part about it is some of the people that, talked about the con about it, were super supportive. Actually, their papers were, and their studies, were discussed on the pro side. So if you could just imagine for just a minute, right, a a politician talking about the other politician's pros, and the other politician talking about their own cons, right? how much different the environment would be right now. I remember this, the, and it, it vividly remember this, this, this doc who had done this study, and he was the con to his study, and it was about steroids, and it was about steroids and um, spinal cord injuries and you know talking about infections and all this other stuff. The other guy talked about the pros of it, right? Me sitting there as a as a as a brand new clinician, right, uh, was I was just so impressed, right? Because it, it gave me so much insight into how to look for the for the negative part of the therapy. So if you're practicing medicine. In the ICU, and you have this person with a spinal cord injury, and you decide to go down this route of steroid therapy, you already know, like, oh, I should start paying attention to an infection rate. I should start paying attention to, and I and I should start worrying about, you know, ventilator, you know, dependent pneumonia, and you know what antibiotics to use. And also, by the way, hey, you know what? If 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 there's going to be a prolonged spent time then i should you know really collaborate with the with the respiratory therapist and and start worrying about uh, you know how fast to get them off or should i trach them early or should i trach them later or whatever i don't remember having another course like that and that's kind of insane um, and as a matter of fact i don't ever remember seeing a discussion anywhere where folks kind of talk about stuff like, and today with the media and social media, especially I don't, I don't see anybody talking about both sides of the story. They only talk about one side. Uh, and I think that's a huge disservice to the younger minds. I think it's a huge disservice to people practicing right now Um Because as a new grad, when you step out in the real world and you want to start your own business, not only do you have to worry about your student loans, you have to worry about all these standards and the policies that are placed on you, you have to pay for them. You have to pay for attorneys. You have to pay for the state fees. You have to pay for federal fees. You have to pay for all this stuff. So that puts you in the hole. It's a huge thing, and it it definitely needs to be discussed. Um, Do I think the healthcare community is divided? Uh, Yes, the healthcare community is divided. It is divided on multiple different fronts, uh, from people even saying that healthcare should be denied to unvaccinated people. And to me, that is probably one of the harshest rhetorics, uh, that I've seen so far, and I completely disagree with. I have treated people in DKA who didn't take insulin, right? Who went out and went to a Seven Eleven, you know, drank a couple of Big Gulps and some Slurpees and ate some Takis, right? And now they're in DKA. It didn't ever cross my mind that I wasn't going to treat this person you know would i think that's dumb <laughs> yeah uh i you know i i didn't understand uh why somebody would you know want to do that but it is what it is right i i've treated people who have had multiple strokes right um i didn't ever think hey you know what i'm not going to treat this person uh, i've treated people that have had multiple heart attacks or had heart attacks because they didn't take their medicine and once again it didn't cross my mind that i wasn't going to treat this patient um you know right now with between the vax and the unvax I, I i hear all sorts of crazy stories and you know i talk to my colleagues my friends and you know we all work in different environments from universities to the government to you know community hospitals and each location has a different patient population. Each location has a different access to the vaccine, right? And each location even has physicians that are treating things differently. But none of them so far, right? None of them so far have ever, have ever told me personally, like, hey, you know, I've, I've honestly felt like I shouldn't be treating unvaccinated people. But when I see it on the news, when I see people and the media talking about it, yeah, that's, and, and then you hear nurses, you know, uh, or doctors talking about it. it it's, it's insane. Uh, it's going to create uh, a violent repercussion, in my opinion. Um, and there are already people that have been assaulted. And it's only a matter of time before somebody hears like, hey, you know what? At this location, guess what? You know, they're denying or they're... And all they have to do is get the get the perception that you're not treating them. And their families get the perception. And that's all it's going to take. And you're going to have a full-on assault at your location. Which which is going to be bad, right? Um, there, are, there are so many... In my opinion, there are so many good people that I work with, and and I would hate for them to get hurt because one person somewhere said something, and now this is embedded into a person whose family member is in your facility, and now you're going to say something that is going to be remotely near, or you're going to say something that they're going to interpret as something that you're denying their family member something. And then it's going to turn into a big giant shit show. And that's going to be bad. Okay. Next question is, do I believe the vaccine works? Uh, yes, the vaccine works. Does it have, um, a really high efficacy rate that I think is yet to be determined. I think if we look at different studies, if you look at Israel, I think their population is like 80% vaccinated. And then you look at other countries um, and their hospitalization rates. uh, And then ours, you know, and you have our vax, unvaxed, as, as people like to say. In my opinion, it's just those that are admitted versus those that are not. Um, I think it's somewhere close to about the same, right? But the mortality rate has dropped. And if you look at the original mortality rate, and this is the big thing, right? You know, when folks talk about COVID, you know, the impression is, you know, everybody... Has COVID. Everybody doesn't have COVID. Uh, COVID doesn't want everybody. COVID wants a certain amount of people, uh, a certain particular person, and I, I don't know why. That's just my opinion on the matter. And on top of it, COVID uh, doesn't kill everybody. It you know the when it does infect people, it it does make them sick. Uh, for some, for some folks, uh, for some folks, uh, I want to say like maybe 60, 70% uh, are almost asymptomatic, right? Uh, then you have the mortality rate, which is uh, super sick. You know, in the beginning, I think it was, I think here in Texas, if you look at some of the stats, it was close to ICUs were, you know, 3.6, 3.2 mortality rate. And then you had like a 30 to 40% admission rate. Somewhere around there. And over time, it's like decreased significantly. But then again, you had this new wave. And now you have another wave uh, from these other variants. And um, the probability that it's probably going to continue this way with different strains is, is, is real. You know, I, I remember going to this class, uh, once again, and it it was on viruses of all things. And I remember this, the immunologist or, I'm sorry, he was infectious diseases. Uh, and there was an immunologist there, but the you know, they talked about how you can only get a virus so many times, right? And then, you know, like you can only get the flu so many times. There's like a thousand strains of the flu. Eventually, you know, 80-year-old people don't get the flu uh, because they've gotten it so many different times that they eventually just, that's it, right? Uh, Same thing with COVID. Like you're only going to get it so many times and then that's it. Uh, If you survived the, the first couple of times or if you're asymptomatic or if you got it and, you know, you had symptoms, small symptoms, you know, to medium symptoms. Um, and you survive, then I, you're going to be okay, in my opinion. Um, I I do find. I, I do find, and you know, now that I mentioned that, I do find that COVID. You know, attacked the elderly and. It's ironic, right? Like if I wanted to destroy history, right? If I wanted to destroy a lot of things, who would I attack, right? I would attack the people that would know history. And, you know, the elders, you know, if you think about it, the elders would know history. They would tell you, hey, you know, this is, this is a bad thing. This is a good thing, right? And if you destroy the history of people, then that gives you a gateway into creating a narrative that no one could possibly stop to a certain extent. All right. Which is going to take me to Kabul. How do you feel about Kabul? Well, it. to be honest, um, you know, when I... I have a lot of emotions when it comes to Afghanistan. Um, And I want everybody to know, you know, people say, oh, it's a 20-year war. Technically, it's a 40-year war, right? We we started the war with, you know, CIA operatives and and gun running 40 years ago to to kick the Russians out. And then obviously, when we did that, uh, they created their own organization and it became a terrorist organization and a terrorist hotbed. And, uh, there were some good people there. I can tell you that right now, uh, with, with no hesitation, um, that were not terrorists, uh, that just wanted to be left alone, right. And do their own thing and own their own farms and live their own little lives. If you think about, if you think about the, the 40 years ago, right, um, and what's happened since then. And you think about COVID, right? And you think about destroying history and destroying your elders. That, that is an unrestricted, unconventional warfare. And I'm not going to define it. As a matter of fact, I want people to take the time to actually look up those two definitions, right? There's even a book on unrestricted warfare, And when people say, well, you know, it's the, you know, Afghanistan and the the military is this, you know, military industrial complex. And it's this monster that the same monster that feeds that is the same monster that's feeding the books that your children read. Right. Where are those books made? Who is funding these universities? Who is funding these schools? Think about it, right? Is it is it some, like, private organization? Or is it the military-industrial complex? Is it the United States government? Or is it a combination of things, right? Look up those two definitions. Educate yourself on two things. <clears throat> um. Next question is, does ivermectin work? Uh, yeah, ivermectin works. Um, I know that there are folks that call it a a horse dewormer, right? You know what? You're right. It is a horse warmer. I personally use it on my cattle. Uh, I have also written for it prophylactically for patients uh, who have requested it. I have even taken it myself, Um, and I think if you look at the efficacy on it, it's pretty high. If you look at the NIH study, which I think is like 70-something percent, 75%, 77%, it's really good uh, on prevention, right? Some fun facts about ivermectin, right? Fun fact, it won the Nobel Peace Prize. It's also cured river blindness. It's also... Or prevented it, right? Stopped it altogether. Um, I think it's even shown to have like some cancer preventative, right? So, you know, people want to make it sound like it's just for animals. First, it was designed for humans. Everybody needs to understand that part. It's extremely studied. Uh, Very safe. Uh, People will sit around and, and hate on ivermectin all day long. and That's fine. They can hate on me. You know, so be it but the reality is, uh, it works. All right. On multiple different things. Do I believe that the vaccine is the number of the beast? I, you know what? So I, the reason I I am actually answering this question is because it was asked by multiple different people. And, um, I'm exempt from this, right? Because one, I'm vaccinated. Two, uh I could tell you a story as a kid that is kind of comical, but it's Man, you know what? So when I was a kid, let me tell you what happened. I used to get in a lot of fights and my parents thought there was something wrong with me. They made me go see this psychiatrist or psychologist or something, some doctor, and I remember sitting in front of him and He was constantly, like, you know, doing these flashcards with, like, paint splatters and asking me, you know, what it looked like and asking me if I was Satan. And my mom was like, you know, I think my son is Satan and blah, blah, blah. And it was, (laughs) I had, like, moments where I was like, dude, is this, like, for real, right? Because there's a couple of things. One, if I was Satan, right? Like, if I was legitimately Satan. I wouldn't have never gotten scared when I saw The Exorcist. Like, I was scared shitless for, like, a year. I wouldn't even sleep in my fucking bed because I was scared my bed was going to shake. So I slept on the floor in my room for almost an entire year. Secondly, when I saw Friday the 13th and I saw Jason run that arrow through that dude's neck, I would check my bed. I slept with, like, a nightlight. Never the same, right? Never the same. Uh, And... You know what? I seriously doubt Satan is going to be scared of like a demon possession. He might probably laugh a little bit, might cheer a little bit. But he's not going to be scared. Secondly, he's probably going to also cheer uh, a mass murderer going around uh, killing a bunch of kids in a camp. So, no, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> not Satan. Uh, kind of screwed up and it is what it is. All right. Uh, let's see here. Do you, <laughs> do I think the healthcare community is divided? And is there a difference between the vet community and the health community and the veteran community? Right. Uh, well, yeah, the healthcare community is divided. Um, not on a big giant front. I, there's a handful of people that are, you know, creating the narrative and overall there are folks that understand that there are two treatment modalities, um, and prevention, right? Uh, obviously number one prevention is, you know, staying physically fit, you know, two is either, you know, you um you know get the vaccine uh, or you take ivermectin or something of that nature uh do, do i know that there are folks that advocate and you know shun other people for being unvaccinated absolutely or ain't um do I think it's wrong yeah I think it's wrong right so so you go to freedom of choice right and people talk about freedoms Freedom is a big giant thing, right? And going back to politics, right? And this all goes like circle, right? It's kind of like you're learning an algorithm for trauma. It's a circle, right? You reassess, right? You go back through and you reassess and you look at what is happening. It's the same thing here. You go back through and you reassess. And as you look at this thing, you have to ask yourself, what is happening? when i when people ask me about the p t s d part of this right, and as a person that you know has been talked about uh you know having it and i'll I'll tell you something when you're in the i c u right and you're and you're sitting there or you're in the the emergency room. Or even in your clinic, and you're seeing all these patients roll in, right? And then you know they have fever, they have cough, they're short of breath. Uh, you know you're having to do intubations, you're doing lines, you're doing all these procedures, doing CPR, and you're being exposed, right? And at the same time, you know at the end of the day, you're you're exhausted, right? You're you're kind of fed up, uh, and then you you go home, uh, and you know, you're being invited out to, to a barbecue or you're being invited to a party or whatever. And and you're sitting around and you're, you're having fun. But while you're at work, it's not fun, right? So same thing when you go to combat, right? And I can tell you firsthand, you go to combat, you're in Afghanistan, you're in Iraq. And you come home and you're invited someplace. And the first thing you're asking yourself is, why don't these people know that there's a war going on? right? You're trying to have fun. You're trying to release. You're, you're, you're trying to be part of the group, right? But in your mind and in your heart, you've already seen the horror of it, right? And it's hard to let that go. So going back to the mentorship, right? Going back through, reassessing, talking, right? Communicating. You're asking yourself, why is nobody telling me Right? Why is nobody advocating for me? Why is nobody giving me advice on this? Is it nobody's giving you advice or are you not listening? Right? Did somebody tell you at the end of the race, guess what? You're going to have to regroup. You're going to have to rehydrate. You're going to have to prepare for another day. You're going to have to prepare for another mission. Right? You're going to go back outside the wire. You're going to go back into the emergency. You're going to go back. And by the way, somebody is going to be waiting to also take your job the minute that you get there. There's almost someone wanting to fire you at the same time. Which, once again, it, it sounds disheartening, right? But it's the world we live in. And it's hard. Um, I'll tell you the one thing that kind of really baffled me over the last two years is watching some salaries get cut. You know, especially physician salaries. Which I thought was just insane. Um, you know, they should be getting raises versus having their salaries cut, and um, somebody should be advocating for them versus just, you know, being like, "Hey, you know, this. I guess I have to do what I have to do." I understand why it happened, uh, but at the at the end of the day, i I don't think that was a good move, uh, and and I hope that's you know corrected since then. In regards to how, you know, the veteran community and the healthcare community can kind of be similar is in that retrospect, right? You sitting there and you're like, you know, understanding the, the horror of having to deal with so many different things and being overwhelmed and feeling that moment of panic and feeling that moment of like wanting to break down and cry prior to getting into work or even sitting at home listening to your alarm go off, right? Same thing for a mission prep, right? You're sitting out there and you're putting your body armor on and you're getting ready and you're just like, what the fuck? And, um, but at the same time, some of us were just like, Hey, you know what? This is what I came here for. And this is what I love to do. And I love it. Um, and I'm going to do my best. Like I am absolutely going to do my best. So in ending this, that's what I would focus on is do your best, right? Be the best person. Be the best. That is probably one of the biggest things that I've learned throughout my career is I didn't want to just finish. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the best the next day and the following day and one year later. Um, yeah. You guys be safe out there. September 12th. Unite.